Hello and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast, where every other Friday we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week we'll be discussing Madam Web, Scrambled, Lisa Frankenstein, and Driveaway Dolls. Oof. I'm your host, Bill George. With me, as always, AJ Rebecca and super producer Craig Stanton. Hello. What's going on, Bill? Gentlemen, how are we doing? Still unemployed. All right. Good update. <laughs> To know. Yeah, my like books on my shelf have gone from like how to build a better brand to don't kill yourself today. <laughs> don't kill yourself books. Got it. That's where AJ's at. If you're a day trader, uh, uh, invest in uh, Reese's mini eggs and uh, Zin because that's what my body is mostly consisting of Got these it. days. Got it. Speaking of candy, can we talk about how horrible it is for someone who loves sweets in that gap between, especially when Easter is early this year, you'll right from Valentine's Day into Easter candy at the supermarket? Why is that horrible? That seems like it would be great. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just gobbling up everything. Oh, oh, I see. The yeah. problem is and you should not be doing it. I should not be, but I'm tempting. doing it. Like too I am, tempting. my blood is like half Cadbury cream and then just <laughs> peanut butter because I found. I got some stuff for that. <laughs> I found, oh yeah, insulin. Um, I found <laughs> that Reese's eggs makes what they call mini unwrapped ones where you don't have to go through the fucking turmoil of getting the tinfoil off. Then and you, you can, can just, just house them. Also, I just, I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but there, it, it is officially from the company pronounced Reese's. I just, just to be clear. Oh my God. F- fucking nerd, it's dude. Reese's pieces. <laughs> Reese's pieces. Pieces isn't a word. It PCs is now. Is not a word. Well, that's me. How are you guys? Okay. All right. I'm, uh, I'm great. I just got back from a trip to California. Ooh, talk to me about California. Uh, I stayed for the first half of the week in San Jose with friends of the show, Krista and Eric. They what were up? What up? Gracious hosts. Phenomenal. We had a great time. Uh, so I stayed with them for, for a few days, and then I went down to San Diego and spent some time with some family. And uh, movie, movie tie-ins here. In San Diego, okay. I toured the USS Midway, which is a aircraft carrier that has become sort of decommissioned and is now a museum. And that whole San Diego base area is a lot of where they filmed Top Gun, big presence there. We drove by the bar that said, this is the bar from Top Gun, come in. Uh, a lot of Top Did Gun go in? everywhere. No, I didn't get to go. But uh, it was very cool. That, so that all the Top Gun references was neat. Did you throw yourself through the window like a stuntman? <laughs> no, that'd be sick. Uh, other movie tie-in, my whole plan or part of my plan visiting California was I really wanted to go see a movie at an Arclight theater because Arclight is a movie theater chain. It's in California. They did open one in Boston briefly, but it closed down due to COVID and I never got to go. And I know that that's where a lot of people go whenever I listen to Kevin Smith's podcast. He talks about going to movies at Arclight. So I was like, oh, I'll be in California. I'll check it out what it's like. Sure enough, when, when I say California... They're actually only in L.A., so that didn't help me. Oh. But what, where I was, they did have a 4DX theater, which is another type of theater I've always wanted to experience. So I look up the listings for 4DX. The only movie they're showing in the 4DX format is, of course, Madam Web, which I had already seen and was dog shit. Oh. So tough. Oh, totally alert. useless. Totally useless movie <laughs> trip in that regard. But okay, California was a lot of fun. Very relaxing. The weather was paradise. Uh, it was great. 
Good time. You you say it was relaxing, but I know you very well. I mean, I'm, I've known you now for almost, we're going on probably a decade now, being close yep. friends. Uh, yep. You love uh, Bill George time. BG two time, solo time is the best yeah. thing in your life. Uh-huh. What was it like just being around people for that much time? Uh, luckily, in both <laughs> scenarios, whether I was staying with Krista or with my uncle, I had my own room. Oh, good. That I okay. could sort of escape to and have some me time. Uh, I was also blessed because uh, Krista and Eric have like a little home gym set up in their garage. And so I could wake up in the morning, oh, go to the gym, you. get a workout in, get my time in, and then meet up Love with that. them and we do lunch and the rest of the day together. So uh, it worked out really, really well. I was still able to maintain my my sanity. When I was staying with... <laughs> When I was staying with family, that's the sanity part started to started to erode. But overall, the trip was was very good. But by the end, I mean, just like any trip, you're by the end, you're ready I wanna, to get home. Yeah, you, you want to get to your own bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, great, uh, it was a great week. Craig, you also went on a trip, movie tie-in trip. Speaking of trips, speaking of wanting to get home. Uh, yeah, I just returned from Jay and Silent Bob presents Cruise Askew. Ooh. Uh, where my band Rebuilder, who, as we know and have discussed on the pa- uh, on the pod before, uh, we were on the soundtrack of Clerks 3. So we were asked to play this inaugural cruise that Kevin Smith put together. And uh, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. I mean, it was like basically a film cruise. Like it wasn't like one of these music, floating music festival cruises. So like there was only three or four bands that even played anything. So um but it was cool. I saw uh, both of Kevin Smith's podcasts, um, Hollywood Babylon and Fat Man Beyond, did live recordings. I saw those. They did like a live table read of Mallrats, which was fun. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Um, that's cool. That whole crew was there. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Quick follow-up. Uh, which of them are coming on the pod? Yeah. Did you did you plug? I So the only one of that squad that i spoke with was uh was jason lee and in hindsight i probably should have done more yeah to yeah. promote yep. this i bet i could i bet i could get i bet i could work on that i'll work on you that. think i'll back channel that because i'll say the star of clerks brian o'halloran the guy who plays like the kevin smith character in clerks was like all over the place talking to fucking everybody so like Oh, who you could do it. Yeah. Anyway, you or Sal Jason, Jason, Lee would, to, Jason Lee would be a good get. Yeah, I would just want to talk to him about skateboarding. I would just want to talk to him about Vanilla Sky. Sure. I love that movie. Sure. Two things he probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the two things he's completely moved on from. Bad job by me on the promotional front. Yeah, horrible job. I mean, like literally a failing grade. All time bad job by me in terms of that. Although you know, I was living in a world where we didn't have, uh, where we don't have guests on the pod, but that might be changing sometime soon. Ooh, yeah. Stay tuned for that. How were the seas? Rough? Oh no, seas were great. Seas were great. Yeah, we went Love from that. Miami to the Bahamas and back. Um, two days at sea, one day in the Bahamas. Uh, it was great. I, I get motion sick really easily. I was really worried about that. Um, but it was fine. Yeah, no complaints there. Love it. All good. Beautiful weather. Not too hot. It was like 70s, sunny, nice breeze because you're on the ocean. It was fucking great. Love that. I've never been on a cruise before. Should I go cruise it? Should I go no. cruise it? I mean, no. I don't know. It's not my favorite way to vacation. This is my second cruise ever. 
I would just rather go go to the Bahamas. Got it. <laughs> you know, it's like going to an all inclusive, but like a little bit worse because uh, it's on a boat. You know, so Got if it. you want Got that all inclusive experience, my recommendation would be go to an all inclusive. But anyways, I suppose we can. That, that's a discussion for a different day. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Bill, AJ, I watch a few movies. Uh, <laughs> I was about to ask, AJ, did you watch anything lately? I did. I watched um, two things over the last few weeks. Uh, the first is I watched The Creator, a film, nice. sci-fi film that you loved or liked uh, from last year. Yep. Wasn't that good? <laughs> okay. All right. News you can use. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I liked it visually. I, I, I think I said on the pod when I reviewed it that where the story went, I didn't really care for, but I really still enjoyed the. I mean, I watched it also in like laser IMAX. So just the visual experience of the whole movie. Oh, I, sure. I, I love sci-fi shit like that. Like I'm in. It's beautiful. So I, I, but yeah, I didn't love where the story went, but otherwise I, I still enjoyed it. Uh, it was, uh, the DP on that was Craig Frazier, uh, Rogue One, um, Dune. I mean, he's a, Beasts. So, I mean, it is a beautiful movie. The writing and the story was just a god-awful garbage, and the acting at times was just not good. And I just couldn't get past that. You've really just skewed my brain when I watch films. So, if anyone's to blame here in this situation, it's actually you. I, I'm I'm sorry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I... The second okay, film yeah, I watched... Going. Yeah, well, it's just... Yep. Yeah. The second film I watched is I rewatched uh Dune Part 1. So did I. So did I. We both rewatched it because we're preparing for Dune Part 2 or Dune 2, whatever. I forgot how good that movie looks, first and foremost. That is a strikingly beautiful film. Second thing, the first half is exponentially better than the second half. I mean, by leaps and bounds. 100%. I thought the same thing. When I rewatched it, I I, I pulled it up and I was like, oh, man, this is so good. I forgot how good this was. Then you get to the back half when they're kind of just in the desert and it really needed to tighten up. Like you could have just cut. I, I, you know, he's at the mercy of the book and you have to get where they need sure. to get to. But the pacing of it, I just felt like they could have tightened for that second half. It didn't need to be two and a half hours. You could yep. have told that whole story in probably two hours and ten. But but still, the first half oh, just undeniably incredible. And so Amazing. I am. And the early reviews for Dune Part Two. I mean, I don't read reviews. I stay away from reviews. And even with that being said, I can't help but see these headlines about it being like, like in terms of sci-fi sequels on the level of Empire Strikes Back, Aliens, Terminator 2. Like people are saying like, this is incredible. And I'm seeing it tonight uh, as of this recording. So I am now I am like stoked. It's a masterpiece. So they say, uh, anything else you watched? I watched an HBO doc um, that was one of those things. You know, these these true crime docs that pop up and they kind of make the rounds on social media and everybody starts chatting about them. So one that I could not avoid was called, uh, quote, they called him mostly harmless, end quote, is the title, long title. Uh-huh. And so finally, it was like an hour and 20 minutes. I was like, all right, fine, I'll fucking see what this is about, what everyone's tweeting about. And it was terrible. Don't watch it. Very bad. It's a documentary about uh, you know the these hikers find a body dead in a tent, but he's has f- food with him and money with him, but he's died of starvation. Ooh, and so that's like the mystery of like who was this person, what happened. Uh, turns out not a very interesting story. Um, mm. And the, that's the big twist is that it's not actually interesting. You do that thing that the kid did. What was it? What, what was the one the kid in Alaska did? The kind of did that in. 
Into the Wild? Uh, into, into, into the Wild? Did the soundtrack? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's so. I mean, I'll spoil a little bit of it. The The whole documentary ends up being focused on these two competing Facebook groups of people who are trying to solve the mystery on the internet. So Ooh. it ends up being about them and like their drama. And then eventually they reveal the story behind the guy who died. And it is not interesting at all. It's not, it's not like he was murdered and we're trying to figure out who did it. Or he killed someone and we're trying to like figure out what happened. Like where the body is. It's just like a guy who went into the woods and ended up starving himself and dying. And then to come to find out he's kind of an asshole. And like that's it. Oh, yeah. What a loser. So there's no actual mystery to be solved that is not it's not worthy of a documentary. <laughs> and instead they just focus on the infighting between Facebook groups like I give a shit. Uh so I was extremely disappointed. Don't watch it. Okay. Noted. Guy's an asshole. Um yeah. That's 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 it. The rest of it I, I will save for the should I go see it segment where I have plenty to discuss. But what's what's in the news, AJ? All right, there's only one thing in the news, Bill. We are doing a live event. Claps, claps. Here we are. Here we are. It's we, real. We did it's it. happening. Oh, we're doing it in the flesh. Yep. We're doing a live event. Uh, Bill, I'm gonna let you. This is your baby. This is your. This is your magnum opus. This is your uh, uh, academy speech. So uh, let everyone know what the deal is. What's in store? Give it to me. Give it to them. I mean, I am so excited and so thrilled. And so proud to be able to share our upcoming plan for the Sigzy 1K event. I mean, I, you know, to go back a little bit in January of 2010, I registered should I go see it.com on a whim as, as a way to review movies uh, in a different capacity versus the full reviews I was writing that nobody was reading prior to that. And now here we are, almost at a thousand reviews launched on that site, a podcast, an Instagram account, merchandise, and now a live event. And it's just like, it's mind blowing when you like stop and think about it. So none of that would be possible without support and readers and fans and people that care. And so we want to be able to celebrate with those people. So on May 5th of 2024, uh, we're going to host a live event at the AMC theaters in Framingham, Massachusetts. Uh, it's a Sunday night at 6.30 p.m. And the idea here is by the time we reach that movie, which is going to be The Fall Guy with Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt, that will be my thousandth movie for review. So we'll all... The timing! Yeah. So we will all watch that movie together uh, in a theater that we have rented just for us, friends, family, fans, listeners. Uh, we'll all watch the movie together, and then we will set up and do a live recording of this fine program with the live audience to review wow. said movie and discuss the thousandth review of shouldigosee.com. I got wow. goosebumps. Uh, Love that. So exciting. Uh, tickets uh, are on sale now as of the time that you are hearing this. Uh, it'll be hosted by Eventbrite. You can go to shouldigosee.com, and in the header, there is a Sigzy 1K event link. Or if you follow on Instagram at should I go see it, the link will be in the bio there. And so we're offering a lot of different ways for you to come enjoy it. You can uh, buy a ticket, which would be $30, uh, which again, that gets you the movie ticket itself. We are also included in this event, bundling in Bundle. a, me a medium drink and Oof. a medium popcorn mm. for your viewing pleasure. Love that. Uh, 
So that so for thirty dollars, you get the movie ticket, the drink, the popcorn, the live podcast. No trailers. We can start the movie oh at on time. You're not sitting through twenty three minutes of trailers. You don't need what a sell. All for thirty dollars. The low low price of thirty dollars. Hell of a deal. And then we also well, I was gonna say I'm thinking too because it is Cinco de Mayo. I might bring a whole bunch of Casamigos uh, nips and instead of like a t-shirt gun, I'm just hucking fucking glass bottles out into the <laughs> darkness to see who catches them. It is, it is uh, as we've been referring to it leading up to this event, Sigzy DeMaio has been the uh, production code name. Uh, yeah, so we have the ticket and then we are also going to uh, create commemorative posters and t-shirts. So when you go to the Eventbrite page, you'll have the option uh, to either get a ticket by itself a ticket with a poster or a ticket with a poster and T-shirt uh, as well. So a lot of different options. Those prices are locked in if you are sort of an early bird special. If you get those Ooh. tickets now, we want to make sure uh, that we get as many people there as possible. And if we still have spots left closer to the event, there's going to be a little bit of a, a surcharge for that. Price is going up. Uh, the, so get it while goal, you can. Get it at this price while you get can. Get it while you can. Exactly. This is this is going to be we, – we rented out a good-sized theater. Um, how many seats – this is going to go fast. What, what, how, many, how many tickets are on sale? So the theater seats 65, Oof. minus us okay. and our event yeah. coordinator, Christy. So Which that has done so much work for us, so shout out to her. Shout out, KP. Uh, so that leaves 61 tickets for all of you, dear listeners and fans. Uh, but based on our circles and our friends and family and people that we know listen and, and people we've chatted with about this ahead of time. Like, I feel like we should be able to sell at that theater. Um, and if we do, and if we still have people interested, we may be able to, to bump up to a larger size. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but that's why we want everyone to try to get their tickets as soon as possible. So we have a really good idea of what we're looking at from an audience perspective in case we do need to go to a larger theater, which would be great. Love good that. problem to have. Uh, Bill's also on the hook for a lot of money, folks. So, like, let let's just help please. him out here and make sure we buy buy some tickets. Or, Allow me uh, to financially recover. Every from this. ticket <laughs> sold is one step Bill can take out of crippling credit card debt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, it's it is. Uh, you know, it's it'll be even if it was if there was no money involved, it'd be uh, no money coming back. It'd be worth it. Uh, this is a once in a lifetime event uh, for me, and I'm I'm really really excited about it. Love that. Boys, you might be I asking. Wait. You might be asking yourself, listener. Uh, I should go check out these uh, these tickets, and I should go check out these merch items. And uh, let me. We'll just say that the merch items are coming soon in terms of their design. Um, right now, we know that we're going to have a T-shirt and we're going to have a poster. We just don't know what they're going to look like yet. But I assure you that our extremely talented in-house graphic head of the graphics department, AJ Rabanti, <laughs> is going to take care of you. So don't even sweat it they're gonna be great don't worry yeah it's you're gonna love it uh buy it on faith and buy it on supporting the show or just wait until next episode and we'll we'll probably have it by then as well yeah good point point. it's just that he has this full-time job it's very demanding on his time and energy and he just doesn't (laughs) fuck yourself oh wait (laughs) you should have more uh so yeah all right boys um 61k 60 to mayo coming at you get ready that's the news folks that is that is the only news that is worth chatting about. Boys, this week we will be talking about four films. Um, the first one is Madame Webb, according to IMDB.com. Cassandra Webb is a New York uh, paramedic who begins to demonstrate signs of clairvoyance. 
Focused to challenge revelations about her past, she needs to safeguard three young women from a deadly adversary who wants them destroyed. Bill, should I go see it? No, AJ. No, you should not. You in particular. (laughs) Is this one of the worst films ever made? It is an early contender for worst of the year. Uh, for sure. And I literally wrote a note saying, AJ, if you saw this movie, you would have an aneurysm. (laughs) I just, I know that you would despise it. Uh, So this is a Sony movie in association with Marvel. So if it were to end up in some sort of shared universe, it would be the shared universe that includes Venom and Morbius. But there is no clear crossover made in the film and there's no post-credit scene, in case you're wondering. Okay. The movie has also already done so poorly that I don't anticipate them making any more of these or crossing it over with anything because it's just that bad. Um, To give you like a little background on the story uh, such that it is, the movie stars Dakota Johnson as Cassie Webb. Like you said, she's a paramedic. She is partnered with Adam Scott, who is arguably the best part of the movie. I mean, Adam Scott is always great. Fun fact, Adam Scott plays a character named Ben, Ben Parker, Parker? And he's about to become an uncle, which is a big focus of the film. Uncle Ben. Okay. And the movie and the movie takes place in 2004. So basically, what they're going for here is they could eventually add a Spider-Man to this universe. But that's besides the point because it's not going to matter because this is going to fall apart because this movie is so bad. Um, okay. So that is like a complete okay. sub thing about Spider-Man. The movie itself is about Cassie, Cassie Webb. Her mother, while pregnant with her, was a scientist looking for super spiders in the Peruvian Amazon. She gets bit while pregnant, and then later, Cassandra, while under high stress, discovers her powers. Okay? (laughs) Now, part of Cassie Webb, Madam Webb's powers, is time-jumping Spidey Sense, where she can, like, see a glimpse into the future... It's kind of like the opening of all the Final Destination movies. She sees like a shitty thing happen and then transports back five minutes and she has a chance to do it differently or stop it. Which sounds cool on its face, but the movie never actually does anything with that to any cool effect. Uh, There's a villain in it who has Spider-Man-like powers who is the worst part of the movie. Laughably written, poorly cast, bad performance. Just the worst villain I think I've ever seen. What's his name? Don't remember. Or what's their name? Oh, okay. Uh, wow. The entire story is terrible. Uh, the, this whole movie acts as a setup or a prequel movie for the three young stars in it that presumably would go on to make their own movie, which includes Hollywood, current Hollywood it girl, Sydney Sweeney, as one of the three sort of younger stars. Um, so, like, they tease in the trailer, like, Sydney Sweeney in a spider costume. Spoiler alert, doesn't actually really happen in this movie. That's like a vision of something that could happen in the future. Oh, so again, they could make a movie with them in the future, but this movie is so bad that presumably they they won't. Um, it's bad, okay. AJ. Everything's bad about it. Nothing works, and uh, yeah, it's 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 embarrassingly bad. But I cared so little by the third act, I would have been fine walking out. Like I was ready to leave, but I didn't because I care about the integrity of should I go see it? And I don't feel right reviewing a you movie do. if I haven't seen all of it. So for all mm-hmm. of you, you're welcome. He does it for you. But folks. boy, is this uh, a piece of shit. 
is it is it worth watching like on a Friday night just to see how bad it so, is? So interestingly, there has been a lot of discussion about that online. I've been reading some more think pieces after I saw it, and people are saying that it is going to become like a camp classic that people would watch and laugh at. Um, because you can't laugh. It's not like a laugh with situation. It's not in on the joke. It thinks it's making an actual movie. But there is a laugh at factor that, I mean, yeah, I guess. I would never watch it again, ever. But some people like to watch bad movies, so maybe they'll enjoy it. Yeah, you know you know what's bad when the the actors and actresses are on the press junket and they are, like Dakota, uh, was it Dakota Johnson? Uh, Johnson is basically like, Oh, this movie's just trash garbage <laughs> yeah. shit. Like I, I don't know what to tell you. Like I'm I'm not sorry because I didn't get to see the final product, but like it's bad, folks. I'm sorry. Yeah, but like it's people bad. are loving Dakota Johnson's press tour because she's been super honest and like she talked about the, I think she talked about the fact the script changed from when she first joined. And there's also all these rumors behind the scenes that both her and Sydney Sweeney, I believe, may have thought that they were signing up for a proper Marvel movie. Like Clearly, they're agents not doing due diligence or informing them properly because um, it ain't. Wait, how? in what way is this not a proper Marvel? This is movie? not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is, this, this is the separate oh. Sony-owned Spider-Man universe, which doesn't even have Spider-Man in it. It just has Venom, Morbius, Madam Web, and soon Craven. Yeah, you'd think that would be like kind of towards the top of the contract. You would. You know? But it's called, but it's in association like, with Marvel. Who is it that is making the movie? <laughs> Apparently, let me read you what the original screenplay was supposed to be, and then you tell me if it's better than okay, this. Sure. Ready? The original screenplay, according to some people, was described as a darker and very Terminator-inspired movie, which it would have seen Madame Webb and Spider Woman trying to protect a pregnant Mary Parker from a time-traveling uh, person who wants to kill her to prevent the birth of Peter Parker. I mean, that's cool. I mean, it's 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 Terminator, but it's cool. Because uh, it gives you a chance, I guess, to to do something different. I don't know. I comparatively, let me t- give me give you one little insight about this movie that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Yes, the finale, like the large, giant finale fight that occurs in this movie, uh, if you can call it that, takes place in an abandoned fireworks warehouse. Um, <laughs> just you know. Just Ooh. as as you do. Does Katy Perry come nope, on? Just a abandoned fireworks factory that has oh. a giant Pepsi Cola neon sign above it that ends up playing a part in the story, um, presumably for place advertisement reasons. It's really just laughably bad. Again, hence the 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 camp element. Here's a good quote from the movie: Julia Carpenter holds up a picture of a man. Who is this man? Cassandra Webb, this man is Ezekiel Sims. He was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she yeah, died. That line has gone has gone viral <laughs> as like a meme at this point. <laughs> it's, the writing is just so, so bad. Oh, my God. This, like, honestly, we've talked a lot about the death of the superhero movie. Like, this is, this is one of those ones where it might be the, a nail in the coffin. I don't know. If I will Good. say if Craven does not do well, then I think this whole Sony Spider-Verse has got to be over. I mean, they have Venom 3 coming out, but Morbius tanked, this tanked. If Craven doesn't do well, I don't know. Sony's in trouble. They only have Venom to hang their hat on, and Venom 2 I thought was terrible. So we'll see what Venom 3 brings, I suppose. But yeah. It's been 25 freaking years of these things. Yeah, let's, let's get it over. End it. Move Let it die. Let it on. 
Well, let's move on to scrambles. Please. According Please. to IMDb.com, a 30-something eternal bridesmaid goes on an empowering and often hilarious journey of self-discovery. Bill? Yes. Should I go see it? Yes. What a great movie. Like, I love that. Cannot say enough about it. It is, I mean, you just said it, but it's about a single 34-year-old uh, that is surrounded by friends getting married and having kids. You know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. She goes through like an existential crisis and decides to freeze her eggs just in case she does want to have kids in the future. So the movie basically follows her along that process. So you as an audience member are kind of with her through the ups, the downs, the challenges, while she sort of navigates that as well as her personal life, pressure from family. There's some, you know, montage of dating disasters. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. It is a fantastic dramedy. I mean, it's mostly comedy, but it also does hit hard at times. Like it's very heartfelt in addition to being laugh out loud, hilarious. Um, it's funny. It's relatable. It's poignant. It's a must see. It's a must see movie. I, I absolutely loved it. Must see already this early in the year. Must see film. Yes. Yeah. One of the best of the year. We'll see. We will see. I'm going to keep Whoa. it. I'm going to keep it back in mind when we get to the list making. But I really, really loved it. I was laughing. I was crying. I mean, it has it all. Whole package. And I think, I mean, now, there is a certain amount of, of personal bias in the sense that I am also in my 30s and also single and also going through an existential <laughs> crisis. I was just, I had been, I had been thinking about a, a, a kind way to, to get to that. No, I am yeah. not. I'm not blind to that. I'm very self-aware and I'm sure I connected with it a little more closely than others might because of that. But even so, I think it was fantastic. You make an appointment at the local uh, crowd bank for yourself there, Willem? <laughs> not yet. Take but I'm not this. Far off. <laughs> Freeze my legacy. <laughs> uh, tight hour 40, which we love. Uh, got a yes, good, you love to see good that. cast of people. I mean, everything about this just seems like just a home run. It's a, it's a winner. It's a winner. And it's, it's again, it's one of those lesser known small comedies that comes out and like most people miss it and you just see the title. You don't know what it is. You move on. But I'm telling you, like you got to take the time to check it out because it's great. Love that. Uh, next film, which I don't understand, is called the Lisa Frankenstein, according to IMDb.com. A coming of rage story about a teenager and her crush who happens to be a corpse. After a set of horrific circumstances bring him back to life, the two embark on a journey to find love, happiness, and a few missing body parts. Bill, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, written by Diablo Cody. She's back, folks. She's back. Uh, this is a yes for me. I, I actually really enjoyed it. It is, it's a weird movie. Okay, like how weird? It's so weird. Like it's one of those movies, it's so weird we had a couple people walk out. Oh. Uh, of the theater. Whoa. That type of weird. Okay. Like, you need to play on its terms. Like, you have to go with the movie and vibe with it and, like, kind of find its wavelength and ride it, or else you're going to sit there and think it's the dumbest thing ever. But if you can, like, almost like a Napoleon Dynamite type situation, like, if you can get over the weirdness of it and just, like, go with what it's doing, like, I once I locked into, like, what I, when I figured out the movie, I was having a great time. Okay. It's, it's... So it's it's a play on like an 80s high school coming of age movie 
you have the lead who's like an outsider, never had a boyfriend, can't find friends, etc. Ends up with a reanimated corpse. I don't really want to. I don't want to spoil how we get there, but she has this reanimated corpse that becomes her friend that she can open up to. So she starts talking, having someone to talk to, which helps her build her confidence, which changes herself. That's like the coming of age part of it. But it's so over the top and in, in terms of like what's happening on the screen is so weird, but they play it so straight and just dry. It just sets this wild tone. And like the dialogue is absolutely hilarious at times. Um, it's great. The, the performances, the casting are spot on. It knows what it is and just embraces that and makes like zero compromises. The fact this movie got made is astounding to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved it. At times, it's pretty poignant. It's never schmaltzy, but it's poignant at times. It's definitely more comedy and, and absurdity than it is sort of message. But, uh, man, it's good. I, I highly recommend everyone at least try it. But I know there's going to be some people who see it and, like, roll their eyes. Uh, because, because on the surface, it is just, like, weird. And it almost feels poorly made, but then you realize that's kind of the aesthetic they're shooting for. Is that, like, 80s movie? Everything is made with intention. It's just you got to, like, look for it. Uh, good montages, good soundtrack. Yeah, all that stuff. All that so, stuff. The, uh, the soundtrack obviously sets the tone, like, puts you there. Uh, I will say I was the person laughing the most in the theater by a lot, but, but I was laughing. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and given that, given your parameters for your, your guiding philosophy on whether you give things yeses or noes on should I go see it, which is, average person isn't going to go to that many movies you're saying this movie that multiple people in the theater that you were watching it and walked out of and you're seemingly the only person that enjoyed is worthy of a yes uh yeah yep Mm -hmm. that's correct all right okay folks Direct, direct your blowback to Bill George. <laughs> I stand by it. I'm- you might be better off waiting if you're going to only see a couple movies this year to check out a movie called The Fall Guys, <laughs> May 5th. Yeah, at AMC Framingham. Framingham. Get your tickets online now. Uh, to finish off, uh, uh, just an all-star slate of uh, female-led uh, movies today yeah, big uh, time. is Drive Away Dolls, a Coen brother film. Asterisk. Uh, Drive Away Dolls. According to IMDb.com, Jamie regrets her breakup with her girlfriend while Marion needs to relax. In search of a fresh start, they embark on an unexpected road trip to Tallahassee. Things quickly go awry when they cross paths with a group of inept criminals. Synopsis seems pretty good. Bill, should I go see it? Uh, No. This is a no for me. Aw. Why? It's so... You know, you mentioned, you know, you have the two leads. They're in this, it's a Cohen brother movie, singular, Ethan Cohen. Uh, from what I can tell, this is Ethan's first time directing solo. Uh, his older brother, Joel Cohen, directed uh, the Macbeth movie with Denzel a couple of years ago as his first solo work. Uh, I mean, it, it, it feels like on paper it should be a, a good Cohen brothers movie. It's a road trip, there's a case of mistaken identity. Uh, it's like a lesbian comedy that is a big factor of, of the movie is about uh, the leads and sort of lesbian identity because it takes place in the 99, I think. So it kind of sets the time frame there and talks about sort of the gay experience to a degree. There's a lot of humor about that in it as well. So like it feels like it could be kind of a wacky Coen Brothers movie, but it doesn't ever really gel like that. 
Um, the lead characters pick up a rental car to go to Florida. And then it happens to be that that rental car was like, there's a, a package in it for some gangsters who are meant to pick it up and also bring it to Florida. And they gave it to the wrong people. So now you have the two uh, lead actresses driving down to Florida, not realizing they have goods in the car and the gangsters trying to find them to get it and hijinks ensue. Um, they keep what the goods are a mystery until the third act as a big reveal. I'll give it to them like it's a creative reveal, but it's also not quite as clever or interesting as they think it is, um, as the filmmakers tend to seem to think it is. Um, you know, Margaret Qualley, 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 not sure how to say it. She's usually pretty solid. She's pretty entertaining. The problem is in this movie, she doesn't feel like a real human. Like she's a fast-talking, raunchy, no-filtered lesbian from Texas and it's extremely animated, talks really fast. Uh, again, feels like a Coen Brothers type of character, but it comes ac- it comes across as too theatrical. Like she's playing it to like an audience on a stage show. It's like super over the top versus more of an actual character in an actual world. Um, and it's and it's also you know the 1999 thing. I feel like it feels like they wrote it in 1999 basically so that they could get cell phones out of the story because otherwise that would have solved every single obstacle in the script. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, good point. And, and it relies very much on being raunchy and hoping that the surface level shock of lesbians talking out loud about sex stuff would be like enough to grab you and be like, Oh wow. Like this is different. But like if the movie came out in 1999, maybe that'd be true. It'd be, it would be revelatory, but now it just kind of feels hacky, especially when you have like last year, we watched the movie Bottoms, which also talks about the lesbian experience in young women. And it did so in a hilarious way uh, with way more layers to it and actual story to it. So this just feels flat to me. It just doesn't, it just didn't really work. Um, I appreciated the runtime. It was sub 90 minutes. Like you gotta love the pacing. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't really come together. It's got an all-star cast too. I mean, it's got so many people in it, but I mean, it's a Coen brother, a Coen brother film. So like they, they, they do that. It just, it's tough to see, you know, you talked about bottoms, which was my favorite film of last year. Um, and like this new coming of age of, of good original comedies. And it's, it's, it's tough sometimes when you, when you talk about ones that just don't hit the mark, when it seems like there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, it's a bummer. I, I mean, the script could use a couple more passes, basically, and they might have been able to tighten it up, but it just, it doesn't, it's never as funny as it should be. And I, again, it just relies way too much on on the raunchiness to try to like shock you, which is just not, I don't know, for me at least, it didn't, it didn't really register. Yeah, that's kind of my cup of tea though. So, I mean, like, I, I guess if you're into that type of comedy, you, you might Maybe. actually enjoy it. Maybe. I mean, I will give a, a special shout out to um, Geraldine uh, Viswanathan, who is the the second lead. I forget the character name. Uh, Marie, I think it was. Uh, Marion, yeah. Marion. She was in Cockblockers too. She was really fucking good in that. She, I see. I didn't see that one. So this was like the first time I really got to see her act. And she is like the shy friend that actually ends up stealing the show. Um, great deadpan, great comedic timing. There's also an element of warmth to her and her character. She was the strongest aspect of the movie. I think it's a great sort of breakout role for her. So, the, I mean, the movie is not without some some strengths, but just overall didn't do it for me. Let's talk about uh, Netflix and Bill and then what is on the docket. So I think we've all been watching one, one thing, the same. 
One thing the same. One thing the same. Did that make sense? Probably didn't. We've been watching Dynasty. Fuck yeah. The Dynasty. The Dynasty. Boys, what do we think? Oh my goodness, I love it. I love it. So this is a docu-series, a sports docu-series about the New England Patriots of old um, and their dynasty. And, you know, there's as of as of this recording, there's four episodes out. Another two will drop tonight. And I've watched all four. I've loved all four. I actually think they've gotten better as they've gone on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much in the vein of Last Dance. So if you really enjoyed the 10 part Michael Jordan 30 for 30. It's it's very similar stylistically in terms of focusing on certain periods of time or people and then some time jumping, lots of archival footage, interviews nowadays with everybody involved. Um, very comprehensive. Uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, I lived it, and so that certainly helps. And I'm a fan of the Patriots, which certainly helps. I'd be very curious to hear what someone who hates the Patriots thinks about this docuseries. But I know I love it. Yeah, I think we need to get a... Because uh, we are all are extremely biased on that. We need someone who does not like the Patriots to get their take on it. I love a few things. One, it made me really sad that that's never going to happen again. Well, the chiefs are probably the closest thing that will be again in our lifetime. But like the dominance that we had in the sports world for 20 years is just crazy to think about. One thing I will say about this documentary that I want to just warn, I want to get this prediction out there because it happened in, there's been two of these so far years ago when Brady was still playing for the Patriots, there was the Tom versus time little oh, yeah, Facebook yeah, yeah, documentary. Yeah. The more recently, this is, I was gonna say, I watched Tom versus time. Wish I never did, but go ahead. I did not care for that one. Yeah. A better one was man in the arena, which was the ESPN thing that he did. He was still in the league, but no longer on the Pats. Um, and then now there's this, and not that this is, those were obviously both Tom Brady, focused, but obviously you can't tell the story of Tom Brady without the story of the Patriots to, to, to a great extent. One thing I'll say though, about what happened with those two, and I hope it doesn't happen with this is everybody's very happy. The Brewskis, the McGinnis, Bill, Tom Brady, like all these guys, everyone's real happy to talk shit and get into the details and share all the stories from the stuff from 20 years ago. As it becomes more recent, they get a, they tend to tighten up. Oh yeah. So like, I hope that Tom Brady is as forthcoming about what happened in 2019 as he was about talking about what happened in. Yeah. 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 True. 2002. You know what I mean? In the, if history is any guide, the level of forthright forthrightness and uh, you know, just kind of transparency and willingness to talk, to be real, uh, will decrease as the timeline becomes more close to to current day. So just yeah, be on the Every, lookout for that. Everyone needs to be like Bill. Everyone needs to be like Bill Parcells when he was like Robert Kraft was a fucking idiot and I wanted to get out of there. And I was like, oh shit. And I mean, all the all the principals are very happy to talk openly about the the distant past, but as it gets more current day, they tend to clam up a bit. It's true. It's true. All right, uh, Bill. What else have you been watching? Um, there was a movie that I watched. It was one that it, it's in theaters, but very limited. So I ended up having to rent it on iTunes. So I threw it into the the Netflix and Bill section called, uh, which brings me to you, which was a rom-com. I gave it a no. Um, the thing about this movie that was kind of interesting, and I, I, I wanted to give it a yes, cause I thought it did some unique things. I just, I just wish it did them better was, 
you know, it's it's a meet, cute story. Two singles, they meet at a wedding. They have an instant attraction. They spend the day together talking. What's cool about it, though, is as they tell each other stories from their past, they dramatize those stories on screen, and the other person ends up in the flashback, like, observing it and asking questions. And they kind of, like, go into each other's flashbacks as they happen. It's kind of like a fun spin on on how you would handle something like that. Um, so it's a cool idea. But the problem is, the, my, my major gripe is that the characters don't really feel like humans. They act, they feel like actors in a rom-com. Like the performances come off a little bit fake like that. It's a little more, more performative versus naturalistic. Um, and by the end of it, the script starts to get a little melodramatic and it loses the calm part of the rom-com. Um, so cool idea doesn't really work as well as I would have liked, but, um, but that, that concept was cool. So I, I want to give it a shout out for that, but I still gave it a no overall. Uh, and then the only other thing watching uh, on television is a new uh, Hulu FX show, Shogun. The yeah. first two episodes came out this week. Sure did. Uh, from now from now on, it's going to be a weekly release, uh, one at a time. But the first two they dropped, and it takes place in feudal Japan, feudal Japan which is always fucking awesome. So and fucking cool. <laughs> it's great. It's so fucking it's cool. The first episode for me, I thought dragged a little bit. They do like an over an hour long for that first episode to set up and it felt like a little drawn out. But man, second episode, when they really sort of set the stakes and set the stage for what the show's going to be, uh, I was, I'm hooked. I'm totally, I'm all in. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. There's a problem that I have stylistically. And I think when we uh, we have a special episode coming uh, in a little bit, we're going to talk to someone who has more uh, background in this area than I think either of us do. There is a massive amounts of barrel distortion and vignetting in the in the frames that bothers me a lot. And most of the time, when you use like older lenses or anamorphic lenses, you get like this weird distortion and blur around the edges. Which I mean, they use anamorphic anamorphic lenses all the time but you can like de-squeeze it and you can like pull that out to the edge so it's not as noticeable it looks for like some stylistic reason they don't do that so like in some of the wide establishing shots that aren't like a higher aperture and there's a little bit of a shallow depth of focus like the whole edge just kind of like melts into this like weird muddy texture that i just don't understand why they did it i don't yeah, I I noticed the same thing. I was watching it and I realized the entire like perimeter of the frame was slightly blurry. And I was like, what are the, why? And I I noticed this in season 2 of The Gilded Age, they started to lean into that all the time. So I don't know if it's like an old-timey thing that people are like jumping on board anytime an old-timey show they want to add this blur, the vignette, but like it's a little much. I will say it felt like they dialed it back by the time they got to episode 2. Because like episode one, the pilot, they always try to like establish the visual language of the show. And so sometimes they go harder into certain uh, affectations than they might normally. So it did feel like episode two, it lessened a bit. But I noticed the same exact thing that you did when I was watching episode one. A lot of lens flare, a lot of blurring, a lot of like weird choices. Yeah. Uh, I was, that being said, the content of the show is strong oh, it's enough sick. to It's such a cool concept. Great writing, great acting. Uh, it just... 
It's awesome. Uh, one of the things, Bill, that I read online about that was um, sometimes based on budget, what they do is they use that effect to make sure that whenever they have to fill in blue or green screens on the edges for like wide establishing shots like Osaka and 1600, there's enough kind of fudging on the outside fringes of it to like make it to cheat a little bit when they don't have enough budget to kind of fill in the gaps. That, that, that makes some sense. Which That's does make some sense. But yeah, if yeah. you love feudal Japan and in the, in the, in the romantic way of feudal Japan and <laughs> like, you know, the history of the samurai and the, and the, like all that, like it's, it's, it's great. It's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, tickets to watch. What do we got? Tickets. Here. I already mentioned at the, at the top of the show, Dune part two. Definitely like top of the list, most excited for. Tickets hit. Um, I also bought some other tickets. We have Imaginary, which is a new Blumhouse horror movie that's probably going to be bad. Um, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, also probably going to be bad. Uh, Kung Fu Panda 4 might, might be good. I, don't I think I'm going to go take James three. to that. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to take him to the movies. Yeah. Skadoosh. Uh, it opens next week, though. And then Screen Unseen, I have another ticket to one of those. So don't know what it'll be. We will find out. Maybe it will be a scream unseen. <laughs> Perhaps. Go buy tickets to our live event, 61K. Yep. Reminder, thousandth review, live spectacular. Make sure to check the bio on the Instagram account at should I go see it or visit should I go see it.com. Thank you for listening. 